Welcome everyone to the Fail Fast Podcast. Today, we have an experienced general manager running a multi-million dollar business, but it wasn't always this way. He was a tank commander for the US Army for 23 and a half years. Then this veteran has gone from drug addiction to homelessness to running this uh, million dollar business. Today, he helps other veterans that have addiction problems and with us today, Richard Kaufman, how are you? Thank Richard? you, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. No problem. So that is that's a great story you have there. You've been through a lot, it seems, and now you help others. Well, you, I think you can't have. You know, my sponsor always told me you cannot give away what you cannot keep. So, so you know, that's what I figure. I try to help as many people as I can to, to go go through what I've been going through. You know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the questions I have is a tank commander. So for 23 years, a tank commander, what is it exactly that you do? Well, I mean, when you first start out, you're a, a driver, and then you become a loader, and then you become a gunner, and then you become a tank commander. So at the end of, the, at the end of my career, I was a tank commander, not, not the whole time. Okay. Uh, tank commander is pretty much in charge of the whole vehicle. Um, so in case you have to fire upon somebody, you're the last one to make the last judgment call. And you're in charge of three other, three other soldiers in your, in your tank. You become like family. So you became pretty much, you become the patriarch of the tank pretty much. So I did it, I got, got a, had a lot of fun, got to blow up stuff. I had I a lot of fun doing it. I bet. And uh, were you always in the U.S.? Did you, did you go abroad with the Army? Yeah, we went a, a couple different places, but it was mostly stateside, mm-hmm. um, mostly like Fort, um, the National Training Center in Fort Ord, California, or Irwin, I'm sorry, uh, Fort Knox, and that's in Kentucky, and then we spent a lot of time in Georgia also. And you, you have been homeless and um, with drug addictions, mm-hmm. and was this after you left the Army, or was it prior? Well, actually, when I, when I joined the Army back in 1986, yeah, I'm old. I'm really old. Uh, you were able to join the military at 17 without having the GED. So I joined at 17, and I shipped a couple weeks later. And then I stayed for two years, and I got kicked out uh, because of my, my addiction and alcoholism. Came home, and my mom offered me to live with her, but I wanted to do my own thing. So I ended up being homeless, you know, even though I had a job, I just ended up spending all of my money and I was living in a car and it was all my own doing. It was nobody else. It was just me being a knucklehead. How did you clean up? Was it all on your own? Did you get some support? No, what happened was um, the first job I got out when I got the military was a bartender. So being an alcoholic and being a bartender, uh, the school that I was going to, they had a friend of theirs. They wanted me to bartend at his, uh, his bar on New Year's Eve. He happened to be a, a police officer. So I bartended and I guess I was drinking drink for drink with the customers. And I ended up with like $5,000 in my pocket the next morning. It ended up by, uh, I took all the money out of the register. So he came, um, locked me up. My aunt had to come and bail me out. And he told me, well, you can either go to jail or you could start going to the program. So I had to do 90 meetings in 90 days. And I did it, and I've been clean and sober ever since. Very good. And how long ago was that? That was in 1989. 
88, 89, somewhere around there. So 30, 30 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like after 20 years, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever it is, you know, Give or take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as, you know, but I, I don't, I don't drink and I don't, I don't take anything more than aspirin to this, even to this day though. That's very good. And now yeah. not only you are super clean now, but you have, you help others that are, are, or have been in that situation. Is that correct? Yep. Because, you know, I figured the more people I can help, you know, the better life is going to be. And a lot of, a lot of people are afraid to just talk to somebody about addiction. You know, they're like, Oh, you know, they're afraid of what other people are going to think. So sometimes the heaviest thing to do is to pick up a telephone and talk to somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so hopefully if I get on enough podcasts and talking to people, people are going to be like, oh, okay, maybe I'll just reach out to this person and talk to me. You know, so now I got people actually calling me and I'm helping them through the phone also. When you were in that life, what was, what was your biggest problem? Was it what people thought of you or was it the fact that you were burning all your money? What was your biggest problem back then? Um, well, when I grew up, I grew up in a single family household. Uh, my mom moved around a lot because we didn't have a lot of money. So we moved from apartment to apartment. I probably went to like 10 or 12 different schools by the age, by high school. So I really didn't make any friends. So I became like my own friend. So I just, and the people I did want to hang out with were all the burnouts, you know, the other people. So that's, that's who I actually started hanging out with. And then I figured school didn't, me and school didn't mix. So that's why I really started drinking heavily at that point. And I became emancipated minor at 16, which means your parents can sign you out of school. Okay. And you're, you're basically an adult. If something happens, you're an adult. And then I joined the military, right? Right. As, as soon as I could, I joined the military. So 20, 23, 23 and a half years you were in. Well, what happened was I, I got thrown out and then I be, became a civilian and I started screwing up my life again. And then I got sober and then I moved to a place in uh, Pennsylvania with my ex-wife and I rejoined the military at that time. So that's how I got back in the military because they, if I was clean for so long, they allow you back in as long as you didn't have any prior problems in between those. So I had to get a waiver signed and I got back in the National Guard in uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. And does the military do tests to see if, if you are clean? Well, yeah, well, I, I was just drinking at this time. And so I was, I was clean. You know, when I, when I went in, I was actually sober. When I, when I went in a second time, I was actually clean and sober didn't have anything in my systems. So that's when I got in the second time. And nowadays, the, the people that you help, how do they find you? How do they hear about you? Well, the funny thing is, like, I, I've been running a, a general nutrition center in New Jersey for, like, the last, going on 10 years this month. So I meet a lot of people through there. And then um, I was talking to a friend of mine. I did my first pod, podcast about a month ago with my friend Donnie. And he's like, shit, dude, you got a serious story. He's like, you need to get it out there. He's like, you know how many people you could probably help? So that's when I started doing podcasts. But I also uh, go into prisons and I've gone into um, rehabs and speak people, you know, rehab, people that are going in, into rehab or they're stuck there in rehab. So they got to, sometimes they just have to listen to you, you know, yeah. so, so I go to rehabs as much as I can to speak. 
And how you work, your focus is now sports, nutrition, foods, is that right? Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm, I'm currently doing for a living right now. Uh, that, that's what I, I'm doing right now. Eventually, I'm going to get out to probably just do more of, you know, going into uh, rehabs, going talking to people, doing different speaking events and, at like Veterans Affairs and different veterans conferences, like stuff that Steven does. Yeah. You know, because I can reach certain people that they can't, where like he's more intellectual, intellectual, or I'm like more street smart. So I can, I can reach different people than he does, you know? Like I can reach the people that have, have gone through being homeless and, you know, drug addicted and guys, you know, depression and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's, that's a very tough one, the depression, because that's something that you cannot, you can't see it coming. Yeah. And so, sometimes the person that has it, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah, like I, I got into a deep depression because uh, about – now it's on my daughter's six. So about six years ago, I got hurt on duty and I had a major head injury. So I'm blind in one eye. And um, not only am I blind, but about a year later, they, they medically retired me. So not only was I blind in one eye, I, was, uh, I lost my career over. Wow. And that's when the major depression, you know, the major depression set, set in. But I didn't use anything, you know, I didn't drug or I didn't, I didn't drink, I didn't use anything. So the VA really helped me out. I, I got to say the VA in New Jersey is really good. They really helped me out. I started going to a lot of, uh, a lot of meetings and a lot of um, therapy. Right now, you are completely blind from one eye? Uh, in, my, in my one eye, I'm completely blind, yeah. Okay. So like a lot of times when I go talk and, or if I go talk to like uh, kids or if I talk to rehabs, I actually bring a box of... Uh, eye patches and have them wear it through my whole speech because then when they take it off they have a different perspective on what life actually is you know what i mean they can see it differently and i don't tell them why their patches on they just they got to figure it out but then when they take it off they they see oh wow you know maybe my life's not that bad you know maybe the little stuff i'm going through i could deal with it that's really really good yeah and, and um you said six years ago you lost uh your eyesight yeah. on, on uh, that yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, around six years, my daughter's six. So maybe uh, six and a half, maybe six and years. By losing your eyesight, do you find that your other senses have become stronger or even your eyesight on the other eye? Um, probably my sense of, of hearing, I think might've got a little bit better. I mean, even though my guitar playing doesn't sound like it, <laughs> but a lot of times I could, you know, I could just close my eyes and I can hear a lot more, you know, like my, what my wife can hear. Like I'll hear if my daughter's upstairs moving around and my wife will be sleeping, but I'll be able to hear what's going on upstairs. Richard, in your story, you said, you told me your, your, your life is an open book. So you're, you're not afraid I, of what. People I don't hide anything. You know, you never see the movie Nine, eight mile with, uh, Eminem. Eminem. Yes. You know how the hour at the end, he just starts throwing all the bad shit that he did in his life and the guy can't say shit back to him? Yes. That's my life. You know, okay, I was homeless. Okay, now what? I was a drug addict. Okay, now what? Once you put it out there, people can't talk shit about you. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. I, I really like that that in the end, Eight Mile. That was pretty pretty good. So, you know, if you, if, if, like, I, I heard somebody tell me that, told me that story and I was like, wow, it's so true. If you put it out there, what else can anybody else say? 
You know, there's nothing else to come back at you. If you told it out already, there's nothing to hide. Yeah, yeah. If you say all the the worst things that you've ever done, anything that they can tell you after that is only better than what you already said. So Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I was a drug addict. Okay, now what? I'm living a good life. Now what? So for for the ones that are listening that um, have problems and they have not spoken to anybody yet, okay, what would you want to say? Um, a lot of times, um, like people knew that I was having problems, but I just would I would the bit was the main thing for me was pride. You know, like when I quit drinking, I was twenty, so it's kind of like when I I had to have a I got humbled a lot because when I went into the rooms. I was the youngest guy in the room. You know, there was all these old bastards around me, you know, 30, 40 years experience. And they're like, all right, just sit down, shut up and do what you're told for 90 days, you know, and, and I did it, you know? So I, I think it's a lot of times you just got, you got to humble yourself or God will definitely humble, humble you. Yeah. Be humble, be humble and be teachable. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned. Yeah. That's very good advice. Humble, teachable, leave your ego at the door. Because yeah, once you become homeless and a, a drug addict and alcoholic, you can't be really proud about anything. You know, you you can't really be humble about it. That's what I believe. But you know, there's there's also another part. It's you know, it's the redemption. You know, it's kind of like my my story has two parts to it. It's it's like the Rocky story. You know, you have the shit story, then you got the redemption story. You know, I mean, even though I only have a ninth grade education. I'm running a million dollar company right now, you know? So I came all the way back from homelessness to running a, a, a good company that I'm blessed to be up that they actually took me aboard. And now of course you have your own family and mm -hmm. I have a beautiful home. I got a beautiful wife, three beautiful children. Um, like I said, but I only have a ninth grade education, but like I was telling um, somebody was, we were talking earlier, I've read over 6,000 books. Six thousand. Like I, I always have. Like my wife drives my wife crazy. I always have five or six books going at one time. I guess that's ADD. You know. That that's fantastic. And, and there are hardcover books that you read. Yep, uh, mostly hard hardcover. Um, I don't like reading books on uh, like the Nook or anything because I like uh, writing and marking in the books. You know, because sometimes I'll go back and study them you know, and read them. Like I got a lot of books by like Gary V and uh, Damon John, Anthony Robbins, stuff like that. Very good. So lots of, lots of motivation. Well, yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just, you know, because I don't have the education, I want to be able to sit and talk with anybody and have intelligent conversation. You know, like I just bought a book on vacation that I had really no interest in, but I wanted to read, It's the book about how the Secret Service, the history of the Secret Service and how they protect the president. But I just wanted to know something different. I wanted to learn something. You know, because if you stop learning, you just, life is over, you know. Yes, you always got to keep learning. Yeah, and that was the scariest thing about losing my eyesight, thinking maybe I'll never be able to read again. So that's why I picked up the guitar and started learning how to play the guitar. In case I ever lost my sight totally, I'd have something I can be able to do. Yeah. Although nowadays you could still, I guess, get the the audio version of, of the books. Yeah, now I'm actually listening to more podcasts. Now I'm getting interested more in the people that wrote the book than the actual book. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like your, your podcast I listened to last night, that was amazing. You know, I, I never understood what fail fast mean until you actually you brought it up last night. So I, it, it helped me a lot for today. Yes. And I guess just like in some way, your story was fail fast because you were 20. So yeah. now 30 years later, you have uh, a nice life and you actually yeah. got out of that. But the funny thing is, you know, I, like I tell everybody, you know, it's like I'm one drink away from losing everything. And I know if I have one drink, I'm, I'm going all out. You know, there's no stopping me. I'm going to drink till I'm dead. So that's why I don't even, I won't even think about having one. Yeah. You don't even touch the first one. I know that to be true also with um, cigarettes because apparently cigarette smoking is one of the strongest addictions. There yeah. Because they have like over 600 carcinogens in it. So many things that are addicting in it that they don't even tell you about. And the, the strongest one is the fact that society does not have anything against it. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people that are, that are against it, but it's not something that it's terrible is seen as, you know, a real addiction. So if yeah. you want to have a cigarette, you go outside and everybody does it. I mm -hmm. did it myself for 20 years. And I quit too, but it's the same thing that if you touch your first one, then you're saying, you know what, I can do it. I can handle this. That's so risky. Yeah. And, but like I tell a lot of the kids that I sponsor, you know, if you hang out in the salon long enough, you're going to get your haircut, you know? So you might as well just not, you know, hang out, just don't, you know, people, places and things. But I think being an addict has actually helped me a lot in my business, in my business life, you know, because everything is, I have to tell the truth about everything that's going on. You know, like if a, if a customer comes in my store asking for a product, I'll tell them, listen, it sucks, but if you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you. And then they usually come back a week later, like this really sucked. I was like <laughs> I told you, but I have that, like the, the store, the company that I'm with now, we've been in business 23 years. I've only been there for 10, but, uh, we're actually the number one store in our area. There's six other stores in a five mile area and we're tripling the money that they're making just by doing like, like, you know, honesty, integrity and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. It's uh, j just like Stephen Kuhn, the, the hit system. Yep. I mean, I'm in his program and I'm in his, his hit program. And then that's, that's the beauty of it because people love, Honesty. Uh, mm -hmm. year, years ago, marketing was kind of almost the opposite. It was a little bit deceiving. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, the best approach is honesty. And yeah. just people will love you for it. And that's yeah. visible. Yeah. So like in my business, I, I try to treat everybody. I try to treat everybody like family. And it, sometimes it's good. And sometimes it drives my, my wife crazy. Because like we were like, on vacation last year, 800 miles away from here, and somebody knew me. We were in Disney, somebody knew me. We were in Manhattan, in Times Square, somebody always knows me. So everybody, she's like, does everybody know you everywhere? I said, because I treat everybody like family. You know, you can never have too many friends. And that, that reminds me of what you mentioned when you were in the army, uh, some of these people become like family, and, and I know it, they get super close. Sometimes yep. closer than, than family, than real family. Yep. I'm, I'm still in contact with a, a lot of the guys. Because sometimes, like, when we were in, in the military, 
at three o'clock in the morning, we would all be sitting up at the in the back of a tank, just shooting the shit and talking about you know everybody's families, their kids. So you you become like family, you know. And I just went back to South Carolina this week, last weekend, and I had lunch with one of the guys that one of my guys that he actually led me to Christ. So we actually had lunch and we were just sitting there talking, hanging out. It was pretty cool. And now I'm, I'm helping him in, in his business, trying to get his business off the ground. Yeah. So you do have experience in, in sales, right? That's well, even though I was um, anywhere I was in the military, I always had a job somewhere in the health field, whether it was at a gym, whether it was at, a GNC or a health food store. I've always been in, in health and fitness, I guess, since I've been like 16 or 17. So I've always been reading bodybuilding magazines, you know, and fitness magazines since that age. So, and I still have like six come to six magazines come to the house every month that I read and consume. And talking about reading. So over 6,000 books. Yeah. Out of those 6,000, what is like, your top two or three right now probably is one that really the two books that are really changing my life right now is Gary V jab, jab, jab hook and um, Damon John rise and grind. Okay. Because, because I'm realizing like, I don't know. Cause I, I'm not a very great businessman, but what I've started to do probably in the last six months is like, say you have your podcast. I would promote you 10 to 20 times more than I would ever promote myself. And now I'm having my friends promoting me without even having to ask anything. And now I'm actually having people that are friends of friends of friends messaging me, tell me they need, they need my help and I'm helping them out. So that's where the whole jab, jab, jab hook came in. Yeah. To where you can't just, just, you have to give, 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 give until you can't give anymore. You know, where it's not even about taking, like I'm not making any money doing anything I do for my, for helping people with uh, addiction and stuff like that. I'm just doing it because I, I have the heart to help other people. That's beautiful. And these people that need help, uh, if they want to contact you, where, where do they find you, Richard? Uh, well, I have, well, I have, I <laughs> Like Gary said, I actually met Gary V. We, uh, his father has a wine business in, um, in New Jersey. So I went and uh, met him. We talked for about five, five, ten minutes. He said, make yourself a hashtag. So I did. I made myself a hashtag. It's uh, Supplement Guy NJ for New Jersey, NJ. So anybody could just hit that hashtag and it'll come up with everything that I do. Nice. At yeah. Supplement Guy NJ. NJ, yeah. Very good. So, I'll uh, put that in the show notes. Yeah, and what I do is I also I have an, I do a blog also where I'm actually having companies sending me product to actually do actual reviews that I can't even sell in my own store, but they're sending me products just because they know they know my reputation that I'm just not going to you know BS them up, BS the customers at all. If it tastes like shit, I'm going to say listen, it tastes like shit. But if it works, it works. Yeah, yeah. So I have a lot of companies like I have some stuff I have to review from. Australia, um, Japan, Korea, they're sending me products to actually try. That's, that's probably what you should have put on your hashtag. The, yeah. no, the no BS uh, <laughs> health guy. Yeah. Because it's what people know. Like you said, if anybody looks on my Facebook, 
Facebook page, there's no, there's, there's no BS at all. It is what it is. You know, if you like me, you like me. If you don't like me, it's all right. You know, and I mean, like now I got people trying to friend request me, but I can't get any more friend requests. I'm at 5,000 already. My wife's like, really? She's like, I don't even know 5,000 people. <laughs> but I'm, so I'm just, just trying to pay it forward, man. Uh, Richard, what would be one word of advice that you would want to give uh, everybody that's listening? Humble. Staying humble and staying teachable. You know, because you, you can never learn enough. For me, anyway. I mean, there could be... I like to just sit sometimes and just go sit next to an 80-year-old person and just sit and talk to them and try to extract as much knowledge out of them. But I could do the same thing with a 20-year-old. You know, because like a lot of kids are 20 years old, but they're, they got 50,000 followers. And you're like, wait a minute, how are you making 100 grand a year? You're 20 years old. So you can never be too humble to learn from anybody any age. Yeah, that's a that's really good uh, thing you just said about sitting down to a 80 or 90 year old person and just, just talking to them and trying to hear their stories. I just, I find that fascinating. Well, if something like, it's just something that I've always like when I, I used to, years ago, I sold uh, timeshares and, uh, and at one point I was at the bottom of the sales list. And then like three months later, I was at the top of the sales list. And what happened was I was sitting next to a, a old man and he was crushing it. I mean, he was killing it every day. And I'm like, what are you doing? He said, well, first, come here. He said, follow me, son. So I sat in for a couple of days and he would get a, like seven papers and he would read them every day. And then, and I asked him why he did that. He says, because if somebody comes in here from Canada, I want to know what happened in Canada that day. So I can actually relate to that person. And then he said, when I go get something to drink, I want you to see what I do. And he would go get something to drink and he would touch that person on the shoulder and ask him if they needed anything. He said, once that person let me in their space, he said, that's it. He said, once, a, once people feel comfortable with you, you can, you can sell ice to an Eskimo. So I think a lot of it is just, you know, being down to earth and being relatable to people, you know, not, not being too up or too down. Exactly. You got to make sure that people relate with you and just build a friendship instead of, just trying to sell, sell, sell. Well, like in my store, I, I have a horrible memory. I don't remember anybody's name, but I'll remember uh, their story. So like, even if somebody comes into me five years later, I'll ask them, well, how was your daughter's recital? Did everything go well? And they're like, how did you remember that? You know, because it shows people that you care, that you're actually active listening. Because sometimes when you're selling, you're just thinking about what you're going to say instead of actually listening and they're, they're going to tell you what they want you they want to buy. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, active even with my kids, you know, it's kind of like it used to be I didn't, I didn't have that active listening. And Stephen always talks about, you know, when you have to be present. You know, even any conversation like me and you, we have to be present. You know, we can't just be thinking about what we're going to be doing an hour later, half hour later. I just recently heard a TED Talk, and it was, uh, it was called The Art of Listening. And that's okay. basically what it is. I just started uh, listening to the TED Talks and I'm really getting into it. I'm really, it's really interesting. I actually bought a book about how it was like the top 10 TED Talk people and, and how they relate to people. So I'm still, I just got into that book and I'm trying to uh, learn how to do more presentation. 
you know, because I have a, I have a good, I have a good story, but it's just, I don't, I have to tweak it to, you know, to live in between one person, like me and you just talking or talking to a, a live, uh, a live group. Cause I could talk to prisoners, you know, I, I could, I could talk to kids at a rehab, but it's different when you're talking to these 50 year old men, you know, sitting at a business conference. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when it comes to the TED talks, I am somewhat forced. It's not that it's forced, but I, I do TED talk translation. So certain, right. certain TED talks, I translate them to Portuguese from English to Portuguese or the other way around from Portuguese to English. So uh, certain TED talks, if I do that, that translation, I get to know that content very well because translating, okay. translating a 10 minute talk could take me over an hour because yeah. and rewind, listen, rewind. So you get to know that content almost as good as the person that's speaking it. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's and that um, way it becomes part of your subconscious because you're actually reading it so much. Precisely. Oh, cool. So I have a quick tip for you about the. You mentioned how you're not very good with names. Yeah. So there's this. Um, he's also a speaker and he's this brain genius called Jim Quick. And if Q U I C K. Q U I. K, I believe. Okay. Yeah, Jim Quick. And he he had as a kid growing up, he had uh learning learning problems. So he, okay. he started working out his mind and he now has one of the most powerful brains in, in the world. And he teaches people how to use that. Okay. And I used to be bad with names, and Jim says that when you tell yourself you're bad with names you mm -hmm. give your brain permission to be bad with names from there on. Okay. And he said, if somebody, if I tell you right now, the next person you see, if you remember their name, I will give you $100,000. Will you remember that person's name? Hell yeah. I'll do anything I can to remember his name. Exactly. I'll tattoo it. I'll tattoo it on me to remember. Exactly. He said, so it doesn't mean that your brain is bad at memorizing names. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you conditioned it to think that way because you can remember that for a hundred grand. Yeah. The trick is when somebody uh, tells you the name, you listen, hear the name and then repeat it and say, Oh, nice to meet you, Richard. That way it settles in and it's just a quick tip. I'm using that and, and it's working. So hey, I'll take any tips I can get. You know, like I said, you have to be teachable in anything in life. Like I'm not good at, you know, the business aspect of it. So that's why I'm reaching out to people like you to teach me. You know, that's why I'm, I've been listening to your podcast since the first day we talked. Because yeah. you, know, you can never learn enough, you know? Yeah, we had some, some really good people, some fascinating stories. And like Stephen's amazing. Stephen's on point, you know? Yeah. So Stephen, for those that are listening, was episode 12. I believe episode 12. And he's yeah. one of the top two social media influencers really 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 great yeah he's actually doing a conference in peru uh coming up and i just got invited to go to with a friend of mine i'm not going to be able to go because i can't fly yet so but uh i would love to go so i i, would, I just like to be in his presence you know what i mean yes he yes. just seems like such a cool not even he just seems like a really nice family guy you know sometimes you get guys that are great in business but their their home is it 
a shambles. So he seems like has it, has it together. Yeah, that's one positive. When you get your life together, then you know that inside doors, it's actually as as nice that you are presenting to people. Yeah. Like, like I have a lot of guys that I go to, so I still go to AA meetings and stuff like that. And I have a lot of guys that have been clean for 30 years, but they still treat their family like crap. They still treat their wife like crap. They still can't hold, back, hold down a job. It's like, okay, you're clean and sober. Now what? You know, what are you doing with your life? You know, they're still having that old, they're not drinking. They're just having the old uh, drug addicted uh, personality. And now so, after, after so long, you still go to these meetings. Is mm-hmm. it so just to reassure that you're fine or you go there more to help others? Well, I go there to help others, but sometimes like, I'll go like last, last month I went and there was just a kid like 16 that just got out of rehab. And it just, it brought me back to, to back to that, you know, when I was that age and it just, they call it keeping it green, you know, it just making you, makes it thinking how far you've come, but how quickly you can go right back. And so it's, it's kind of like a tune up. It's kind of like you go get your easier. car. Do you think it's easier to clean up when you, you realize the problem and you're 16, like that kid, or if you're in it and you're say 35 and you're grown up now, what do you think is easier to clean up? I don't know. I think it, it would both be about the same because at 16, you're still hanging out with your friends and you're still partying. That's what they're doing. And at 35, 40, most men, 50% of the men are still out there partying, going through divorces. So, the, the, you know, the losers look want to hang out with other losers. So, so it's kind of like, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, it's just, it just where whenever you're ready, you know, like the, the old adage says that whenever the student is, is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the same thing, you know, with getting clean at any age. Yeah, that's so true. Losers always want to hang out with losers. Yeah. And you are, I often hear it, you are the sum of mm-hmm. the five people you the people hang you out with. People you hang out the most. Yep. And that's one of my favorite lines. And it's, and it's so true. So yeah. true, of, of course. So yeah, a lot funny. of it's, it, it's what you listen to. A lot of it is what you read. You know, a lot of people, it's, you know, like you said, it's who you hang out with. If you start thinking, well, I'm hanging out with losers, you know, if, like when I was in the military, when I got in the second time, I was told never hang out with the people that are the same rank that are you. Always hang out with three or four ranks higher than you because the people that are in the same ranks, they can't teach you anything. Mm-hmm. So that's what I always started doing is just hanging out with, you know, but in, in the rooms it's called hanging out. You hang out with the winners. Yeah. So you, you know, start hanging out with the winners or you try to live like not emulate, but just, to try to accomplish, you know, or, or find good mentors. That would be the way to think of it. Absolutely. Cause like the guy that, the guy that ha- ha- hired me has been a really good mentor to me in my life. He's more like a second father to me than anything. And for those that are listening that think I don't have five people uh, to hang out with that are better than the ones I have right now, you don't really have to hang out with these people physically. Uh, right now, if you're listening to this, you're hanging out with me and Richard. So uh, right now, you're basically, it's called masterminding. Our mm-hmm. brains connect together, and this is osmosis. We learn with each other. So if you follow Gary V, then you are hanging out with Gary V when you're listening to him. 
So everybody, I guess, has access to YouTube, podcasts. So if you want to hang out with, choose the five people that you will hang out with the most and they're not physically there with you, just listen to them mm-hmm. and that will help you a lot. And that, that's how I did it. I didn't have the people that I wanted to be the person that I wanted to become. It wasn't around physically. So you find them online and, uh, and that's how it's done. Yeah. And the whole, and this whole thing about, you know, like you said, it's, it's finding mentors. Like I, the first book I ever picked up that was dealing with mentors was rich dad, poor dad yeah. by Robert Kiyosaki. And the reason I picked it up is because my mother was the poor sister. And then my, her sister was the rich sister. Her, her, she was rich and my mother was poor. So it's kind of like that book meant a lot to me because I was actually living it. And then Robert is the one who introduced me to like Gary V, Anthony Robbins, and then so on and so on. So now it's like my wife said, you know, did you hear what happened in the news today? I'm like, no, I don't listen to the news. There's nothing positive that I can get from the news. She's like, well, what did you listen to? I was like, my podcasts. You know, that, that's what I listen to on the way to work and on the way back home from work. Yeah, you know? exactly. I'm exactly the same. So news is always bad news because nobody wants to report the good news of why mm-hmm. there's no audience there. So I stick with positive things. And like you said earlier, you have 5,000 people on your Facebook uh, as your Facebook friends. Yeah. Um, I have a few thousand on mine too, I believe three or four. And what I do is when I see a lot of negativity coming from the same person, that person will be excluded from my feed because although I, I tend not to be on Facebook for just for pleasure, right? I just, yeah. I, Facebook is also a, a tool, right? A, a marketing tool, advertising tool. But if I see a lot of negativity and person is gone from my list. Yeah. I, I do the same thing, but sometimes I've also came to where people I've put in, like I got one friend, I can't mention his name. He's always been so negative, but all of a sudden, like after years of knowing each other, you start seeing the positiveness starting to come out. You know, he's starting to talk about how much he loves his wife and his family and his kids. So I can see the influences that's coming in. So it's like sometimes I, I won't I – I, I think I've only cut maybe two people out of my page since I've had it, and it was both because they were anti-police. And that's, that's not going to happen, not, not, in my, not in my life. It, or that or if you're anti-American. It's like, then you got to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. My, my daughter's six years old. She wants to be a police officer. So it's kind of like, you know, you know I, I can't have negative stuff like that. I, I, you have to draw a certain line. And that's kind of like a, a line that I, I cross. I don't care if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're, if you're a good person, that's all that matters. Yes. You know, like I had a lady, we were talking. She's like, are you a Democrat or a Republican? I said, listen, lady. I said that Tuesday, the next morning, I had to go to work no matter who the president was. So it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's rich, you know, there was people that got rich during Jimmy Carter's presidency. There's people that got rich during Bill Clinton's presidency. It all depends on the person. You know, if you think you're poor, guess what? You're going to be poor. That's, you know, that's the bottom line, you yeah. know? So if you, if you get trapped in all the negativity, that, that's what, you know, the news wants you to get hooked up into all the negativity. They don't want to hear positiveness. You know, they don't want to hear, all right, we're get, this guy just became a millionaire. They don't want to hear that stuff. You know, they want to hear about the homeless guy. You know? 
Yeah, yeah. Whatever makes their audience grow, that's that's what it is. Just that's yeah. why the Big Brother shows and all the, the those reality TV shows always need to have those issues. People mm -hmm. need to have problems. I, I just try to keep everything positive. Uh, I'll never post anything negative on anything that I do, ever, ever. Like I'll even when I got hurt, I posted something positive about it because I don't know if you know the coach Ed Milet. My oh, yes. uh, yeah. yeah, you know he. You know, I mean, he's. I consider him a mentor. He, he never met me, but um, he always says that um, things happen for you, not to you. So even though I lost my vision, you know, I was like, all right, now what? Now I was in depression for a while, but then you know, I was like, all right, now what? You know, I was like, all right, I can either suck it up and drive on, or I could just be all depressed and and be like everybody else. So I actually started reading books about or about people that were blind, like Helen Keller and different musicians. And Kel Helen Keller said, the only thing worse than being blind is having, being able to see and not having a vision. So it's kind of like, all right, what, what can I complain about? You know, all right, I got one eye. All right, I'm, I'm still doing good. Even if I went completely blind, I'm still doing better than 80% of the people in the world. Yeah, and there's... There's a guy, now that you mentioned that, there's a guy, uh, you remember the show Saved by the Bell? Yeah. Uh, the guy that played Screech. Okay. Uh, a few years after the show ended, he had this, uh, this disease that made him blind. Okay. And he now is a motivational speaker, and he is 100% blind. Yeah. But he says, and he explains how being blind is the best thing that ever happened to him because for the first time now he can really see mm -hmm. and he's actually being honest. He's not just saying that to, to be nice. Yeah. He actually means it. There's certain things that he couldn't see before. Mm -hmm. And now that he's blind, he probably doesn't see him with his eyes, but uh, it's fantastic. I can't remember his name. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he had a, he had a, a couple of rough years after Saved by the Bell, but then that happened, and he started getting his life back together again. Exactly. Now he talks about uh, what he, what he can see and how he sees it without mm -hmm. using his eyes, and it's just fantastic. And he has the science to back it up. I guess. Yeah. He learned all of that. I think he had a, he had a, a, a the same eye disease that my uncle just he just passed away. Uh, retinitosis, pigmentosis, or something like that, to where he would actually it would slowly go blind over years. Yes, and, yeah. and, and then you had night night blindness, and then eventually it just, everything just it went dark. Exactly. So, yeah. So my family has a history of that, and he just and he was my uncle passing about a couple months ago was probably one of the biggest reasons I really started to um, getting into getting into talking to people about addiction and recovery. Is because when he, I had two uncles. One, my uncle Tino, he was a Christian man. Everybody loved him. You know, he was, and uh, he died at like 50, 50 something years old. And everybody loved him. And when he died, the church was packed. Everybody was coming in. They were, you know, they were talking about how great he was. And then my, my other uncle, he was a regular guy. But he died a couple months back. And when he showed up, when he died, it was like nobody showed up. It was just like family members. And that was it. And I got to thinking, I'm like, 
you know, because sometimes they say you, you got to think about what you're, when you die, what's going to happen is you can start living. And I'm like, when I, when I die, I want people to have show up and have like three or four services. I want people just to show up and make sure I'm dead. Hmm. You know, like I want to help that many people in the world that I can act. People actually say, you know, he act, he changed my life. And that's when everything really started happening with talking on podcasts and public speaking and stuff like that. So I want to help that many people. My vision is that big to help that many people and, mm-hmm. and not about me at all. You know, it's all about just helping more people. Cause sometimes if you go to a meeting, you can help maybe that 12 or 13 people in a meeting. But if you go on a podcast that 5,000 people here, they, they might share it because they know somebody else that's dealing with an addiction, you know, and it just, it just flows. And like next week, I actually have a, a meeting with the vice president of marketing for Madison Square Garden to go see what we can do there to see if he, if he wants me to come and speak at the garden. Wow. To veterans out. So a lot of big things are starting to happen now. I'm, I'm really pumped. I'm blessed. God is really blessing me. That's true, Richard. And there's also a, something that we cannot see, which is the ripple effect. Because when you go on a podcast right now, somebody can be listening and they may be helped by you. And there's a chance that you probably won't even know that you helped somebody. But by helping that somebody, now you can make their life better. Therefore, you're making their kids' life better. And there's a ripple effect that it, it just, you know, you could be changing so much. It's just fantastic. That, that's the goal. You know, that's why every time before I go on a go on a podcast or before I go some speak, you know, I always pray to God, just give me the wisdom that I'm able to help somebody else, you know, that I'll be able to affect somebody's life somewhere down the road. So like I said, I'm just trying to, you know, trying to be humble and paying it forward. That That's my mantra, you know, just be humble and pay it forward. Very good. And let's remind everybody your hashtag where they can find you. Hashtag supplement guy NJ for New Jersey, or they can Richard Kaufman. They can find me on Facebook. Uh, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter. It's all Richard Kaufman. That's me. Very good. Everybody, this is Richard Kaufman. You can find him, like you said, at the hashtag, the supplement guy, NJ. Is it the yeah. supplement or? No, just supplement guy. Supplement guy, yeah. NJ. NJ. Yeah. Richard Kaufman. Richard, that's me. thank you so much for, for being here today. I'm sure, I'm sure you, uh, you'll get a few people reply to your hashtags. And if you're listening and there's, if you want to open up and just talk to Richard, talk to anybody. Now my, they can direct message me on Facebook anytime. I'll get back to them. And probably even if they just want to get on a face-to-face call or FaceTime, whatever I can do, you know, especially because I know that 22 veterans a day commit suicide. So even if I could just, you know, save one person, it's worth it. Veterans are not. If you have any addiction problems, have a chat with Richard or you can contact me at the fail fast podcast and I'll get, make sure you get in touch with Richard. Cool. Sounds great. Thank you, sir. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Have a blessed day. Take care of them kids. I will for sure. All right. Bye. Bye.